Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. It is late on Tuesday night. Uh, I'm just coming back from shooting another WNBA game, the the Los Angeles Sparks. Uh, I am slowly becoming a fan, which I said I wouldn't do because you know they wear they wear gold and purple, which is way too close to the Lakers at, for my comfort. But I have become a fan, so that's been my night. Dave, how are you? Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter for late Tuesday nights or whatever. We are well and truly into the off season. It is very unlikely that anything is going to happen between Tuesdays and Thursdays now for the next three months. So it actually feels pretty good. It feels like we'll be on a normal pace. I know during the season, like we would record a podcast on Tuesday and it would be obsolete by Wednesday. Right. So this is yeah. uh, this is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it is. It's kind of nice to have things feel like they're moving a little slower, especially now with Summer League being over. Uh, and we are the Summer League champions, which, you know, I-, I will take it. I will take any championship we can get at this point. And it is, it's a fun one. This was, this is a fun championship to win. So Trailblazers are the Summer League champs of the world. <laughs> I just, I just, I have to laugh so I don't cry. I you mean, gotta I, take it. I mean, you gotta take it, is, it. There's nothing about it's fantastic yeah no okay yes it is in the in the microcosm of summer league yes winning it is fun and fantastic i mean there was an 82 team tie for first place basically decided by points and then two teams played and one of them won and yeah i mean all of that's great though i mean i yes I, i applaud the way the blazers did it i think they they did fantastic i think it's better to win than to lose but this whole idea of a championship and rings they got rings I love it. I think it's fantastic. These guys work hard and they play a full tournament. They deserve it. I think they deserve it. I Look, it's not like they're giving them to everybody that participated. They're giving it to the team that won. And I think that they deserve it. I'm not saying they don't deserve it. I think just the whole concept is a little bit... I, I don't know. I guess I'm too old school about it. I mean, but... Yeah, I, look, I do appreciate them winning. I think, actually, and it, it was a rarity in some ways because, look, Summer League usually comes down to there are some teams that have a blinding superstar and that superstar's team plays well enough around them to excel. The Blazers didn't have that. I mean, Shaden Sharp went out early and, you know, nobody else, Keon Johnson was fine, but it's not like they had a 25-point-a-game score there. It's not like they had a lead attack there. They really played a team game. They really played uh, with and in, and sometimes through their big men, which is another summer league rarity. They played defense, which is, look, for the Blazers, it is expected a little bit because you know what? There's some veteran players comparatively in there. They've played in the NBA. They've played together. So I'm not surprised that they played defense, but they didn't have to. And they did. That was great. Rebounding. Great. You know, so yes, I mean, I think everything that did go right can go right. I'm not sure we need rings for that. Listen, I know I say it 50 times an episode, 
But this was a fun team to watch, Dave. (laughs) It was a fun team to watch. They were doing all the things. They were all over the place. They were leaping and flying and dunking and defensing. And it was fantastic. Look, when I first started covering Summer League, they barely had an elevator. So, I mean, let's say this. This may have been the best Summer League team that the Blazers have fielded since Brandon Roy. So, I mean, Dame had a great year, too, obviously. You know, they didn't do that great that year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a fine specimen of a Las Vegas team. Way to play, team ball, and fantastic. I think they still would have rather had Shaden Sharp healthy, and even if it cost them the Summer League Championship trophy. But, all things considered, hey, good, good enough. Good enough trip through Vegas. And Trenton Watford picks up the finals MVP. Um, Dave, you've got to stop acting me. like it's a joke. You're poking me, aren't you? There are two teams in the finals. I mean, one of them is going Just, to win and somebody Dave, from that team is going to get the, an MVP. That's the same thing as the NBA finals. They also no, have a finals okay, MVP. Excuse me. Hand up. Hand up. Ooh, ooh. Call on me. You have to play I'm not four. Calling on you. you have to play four series to get to, to, to win the NBA I'm finals. I'm just saying you have to play at minimum sixteen games, and that's if you win them all. Look, so. it's not like he's winning a million dollars. He's just winning recognition for being the player that played the best in the finals, and I think there's nothing wrong with finals that. in the final game. In the final, can right. we at least say final game? It was a in game. the final game. Okay, <laughs> in the final game, he was the he was the MVP. And I think that deserves recognition. This, this is why Dave and Dia did not make it to Podcast 88, folks. It's Summer League finally drove a wedge between them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, Trenton Wofford, I, look, I'm more interested in his tournament. I think he was the, uh, I think I, I wrote this, uh, he was the anchor. He was the, the hub, I think, emotionally in many ways. But also, I mean, when you needed a rebound, when you needed a screen, when you needed someone who's going to be a team player, uh, who could have made this kind of all about him? Because you know what? He has a contract. And he was right. one of the few players that really did. I mean, yeah, Keon does. I get it. But, uh, you know, he has the right, I think, to come in there and say, I'm just warming up here. And he didn't. Yeah. And so, you know, standing ovation for him. Love Trendon Watford. Always have, probably always will. Great tournament. Well, well, and you mentioned Keon Johnson, who also has a contract with the team, and he played really well as well. In fact, I think he didn't get as much recognition as he should have. I think he played really well. And I think that, again, we've got some guys that are going to be young, that are going to be, that are going to kind of fly under the radar and, and be better than maybe we're anticipating. Well, and Keon made the defense happen, right? I mean, God bless him. We only saw five minutes and 33 seconds of Shaden Sharp, but Shaden Sharp was looking around a lot on defense already. And I, I think he would have, he would have picked it up. I get it. But there's right now, there's no doubt that Keon Johnson is going to be able to defend on that court better. Yep. And he did. And so, I mean, yeah, it, it was good. Jabari Walker was the other one, of course. What did you think of him? Jabari Walker was fantastic. I mean, uh, look, the more I see of him, the more excited I am about him. I might be more excited about him than Shaden Sharp. I think Shaden Sharp's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to pan out to be a really good NBA player. I think he's got a long and successful career ahead of him, assuming he can stay healthy. But... I think Jabari Walker, and we keep hearing this from, from different outlets, but he seems to have been the steal of the draft. He, he at 50, was 57, right? Yeah. He drafted him at 57th. 57th. 
56 other players went before he did. And you watch him go out there and play and he is good. And I, I've heard bits and pieces of interviews with him. And one of the things that he talked about in a recent interview was how his dad, who was also an NBA player, was a, a role player and how there's nothing wrong with being a role player. You can make a lot of money being a role player. You can be a successful role player. And I appreciate that. And he talked about how the fact that his dad being that is a big part of why he is the kind of player that he is and that he'll go out and he'll work and he'll do the things that need to be done. And we need guys like that. We need guys like that. And I think he's going to fit in really well. I think he's going to be, I'm really excited to watch his growth. I think he's a player that has a real high ceiling and I think that he's going to get there. I think he's going to be fun. And they signed him to a three-year contract. So the team clearly agrees. Yeah, I don't know if he got signed because of his ceiling. I, I liked how he and Watford were kind of mac and cheese. You know, they, they do a lot of the same things. They kind of play the same position, but they worked well. I, I think only one of them is going to be a regular in the rotation. But look, what did Walker come in with? He came in with good footwork, a good sense of his own offense. And those were kind of known. We knew a little bit of that. But his, his motor, his passion to get out there and play. And what you notice about him is he's not still and he's not satisfied that he will go and he will make a play and he will, you know, move while other people are thinking whether or not they should. That's a really good quality. You know, I don't know. I don't know if he earns a lot of minutes, but I know that that's the kind of player you want in the hopper because he's going to activate whether or not he gets a regular spot. You just add playing time and he's going to go. So I think that the, the most indicative part about this is that if the Blazers can pull this guy, 58 or 57, whatever he was, uh, and that's their deep scouting, that's a good sign. Now, we have to see more years of that, obviously, but like this is a nice first impression that you got value out of that pick. If they also get value out of Sharp, I mean, the asterisk is if Sharp is a bust, then that's <laughs> the two don't equal. But, I mean, if Sharp is good and Walker plays at all, you have to say this was a really good first draft for Joe Cronin. Yeah, it really was. I, I'm really happy with the things that I'm seeing from the team. I think we're moving in the right direction. I think that they're looking at the future, but also kind of paying attention to what needs to happen right now. And I think that that's a, a tricky balance. I think finding a balance of win now and also paying attention to what the future team looks like, that's not an easy thing to do. And I think that they're doing a decent job at it. I think that Cronin coming in, you know, uh, there was a lot of questions about him and, and what he was doing. I think, you know, by mid-season last season when all of a sudden our roster was unrecognizable for the first time in nine years and 10 years, whatever it's been. Um, and there was a lot of questioning. What's he going to do? And I think, you know, we talked about giving him at least until the season started to see, you know, the, kind of the full moves that he was making and and they look good they they really really do uh, the pick you know the the people they've managed to pick up in in jeremy grant in gary payton jr um the drafting that they did this season it, it it's starting to look more like a team that can compete than what we had last season yeah you know we haven't seen it yet i mean we were saying the same thing last season you think this team isn't better than the team that we had last season i think on paper they are 
but we got to see him go out and do it. Come on, last year in the summer, we're saying, we really got a chance this time. This team looks really good. When we had seen zero of it, uh, we've, st- we've seen zero of this team too. Uh, I have high hopes for Peyton. Grant, I think we need to see what he's going to do on the court and how it fits. Uh, we got questions about Nurkic. We got questions about Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard as a tandem. So, I mean, we got a question about Josh Harder, who's playing small forward. So there's a lot of things we've got to see. But on paper, uh, yes, I am more excited. But to say that it's really looking up and it's really looking good, eh, Jabari Walker looked good in Summer League. That's about the change that happened over the last two weeks. So, I mean, we got to get him out there on the floor. We finished the season as one of the worst teams in the NBA. This team is looking a heck of a lot better than that. Oh, well, of course they're looking better than they did in April. I mean, well, <laughs> my, not of course. my grandma's no, no, no. dead Hold on. dog Hold on. would look better than Hold they on. did in April. Hold on. Yeah. No, no, that's not an assumption you can make because the, especially historically, this team hasn't changed all that much from April till now. Like that, that's not, that's not a given. So the fact that we are looking significantly better than we were then, I think is a good thing. Yeah, but April wasn't the, April was, nobody was playing in April. Look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we are going to win a championship tomorrow. Well, or, you know, whenever that happens, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is coming from a place of feeling really frustrated. I don't feel really frustrated. I feel like there's hope. I feel like there's movement. I feel like we're going in the right direction and not just in the fact that there's anything happening, because at this point, that's kind of where we're at. Anything happening is the right direction. I feel like there's there is direction. I feel like they are going after. I'm really happy with the fact that they didn't just make a move for Jeremy Grant at the deadline midseason because they wanted to make a move and that's who they were targeting. I'm really happy with the fact that they waited until they felt like they could get him for the price they wanted him and they gave it that time and they did that. I think things like that, I think things like going after, you know, a, a draft pick that we weren't expecting that and keeping that draft pick, I think those are things that are good signs. I think that we're seeing a different way of doing things that we haven't seen in a while. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that we're going to go out and win a championship right away, but I do think that there's hope and there's growth and there's life in what has been a very very frustrating spot. Yeah, I think we can agree on that. There is an attempt to go in the right direction, and the right direction is a different direction than the one they were going in before. I think those things are clear. Uh, whether that attempt actually ends up going somewhere better, that still has to be shown. But they've definitely at least consulted their GPS. They're not just just going, nah, I know where I'm going, and, and keep driving. They stop and ask directions. That's a positive sign. Uh, let's see if they're on the right road now. I think it also needs to be mentioned because this hasn't been talked about a lot, at least on our podcast. I think it's worth mentioning, too, that we're looking at Damian Lillard possibly being better than he's been in a while. You know, we coming off of an injury that really held him back for a significant amount of time. And even then he was playing really well. He I mean, for the last three years, obviously this year, this last year, he didn't play a lot, but the the years Previously to that, Damian Lillard was still a really good player in talk in in a lot of the conversations that were going on about really good players. And I think it's very easy for people to forget that. And now we've got a situation where we spent the last year 
hearing about all all they were talking about when it came to Dame was when he was going to leave Portland and where he was going to go and whatever else. And I think that people very quickly in media, the narrative, the people that aren't Blazer fans, especially have forgotten how good Dame really is. And especially, like I said, coming off that injury, now having had the time to to get the surgery to heal fully and, and get himself back to where, you know, he, he's going to be back to his Damian Lillard self and, and maybe better than we've seen in a while. That's really a good thing too. And I, that gives me more excitement than maybe anything else. It's really fun to watch Damian Lillard play basketball when Damian Lillard is playing basketball, the way Damian Lillard plays basketball. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this new texture of the team affects his game. Because, you know, frankly, other than C.J. McCollum, and even then there was some level of injury there that kept them apart, Dames basically spent a few seasons with mega green light, just whatever he does, because it became very quickly, it became clear very quickly that the team wasn't really contending and that their best chance to win was just Dame to go ham. Theoretically, that won't be true this year. So to see him readjust, incorporate teammates, uh, to see the balance, how the balance on this team ends up, will be fascinating. I think Lillard can do it, uh, but I think it's accurate to say this will be a new Damian Lillard one way or the other, and it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. I'm really looking forward to having Dame back. You know, I remember when everybody was first talking about the 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 possibility of him being on another team and what that felt like to think about watching Dame play in a different team's jersey. And I'm just so excited that we get him back in Portland. I'm so excited that we get to watch him play with this team. I think sometimes it's easy to forget what, uh, you know, how lucky we are to get to watch somebody like that play night after night after night. And I cannot wait. Right. And, you know, watch close this year because at this point, you never know. Uh, so drink up these seasons. Look, realistically, what do you got? Six, seven more on the outside. So you, you're at minimum one of six. Enjoy it. Uh, if it ends up being one of one, you're not going to want to miss this. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I think for all the factors, and here's the thing, people are going to talk about this new team. We're going to get to September. And people are going to be talking about Jeremy Grant. People are going to be talking about Anthony Simons. Who's the small forward? Can Nurkic stay healthy? All of those are super important questions. But if Lillard is not, there and healthy and fully Damian Lillard, the importance of those other questions goes down by half. I'm not saying the Blazers can't win without Lillard. I think they can. But can they contend without Lillard? Are they very, very special without Lillard? I'm I'm not sure that they can make that claim. I I was talking to somebody tonight at at the at the game and we were talking about the Blazers. He's not a Blazers fan, but he has some connections to the team and, and we were talking about how this team is somewhat underestimated and forgotten about by people outside of Rip City. People got so used to this narrative that the Blazers can't win without Dame that they kind of forgot that the Blazers still have Dame. And so I think that I think that some of these guys that we aren't talking a lot about, you know, it's been this whole idea of Dame can't win unless we put other superstars around him. There's not going to be a championship unless there's other superstars around him. Look, I'm not saying we shouldn't put other superstars around him. I was all fully on board the train of Kevin Durant to Portland. I still am secretly kind of crossing my fingers that, you know, maybe that somewhere in the universe there's some good luck and we get him. But 
I think that people are underestimating this team. And look, you can, you can call me whatever you want to call me as far as, you know, uh, the unicorns and the rainbows and the optimism and, and whatever. I know that year after year after year after year in the off season, I get on the podcast and I get excited for the season to come. And I say that, you know, this is it. This is the year we're going to contend. We're going to make a run for it. Blah, blah, blah. I know. I know I do this. This is probably my, what do they say? That uh, this is my toxic trait that I think the trailblazers can win every year, no matter who's on the team. Maybe. But the truth is I look at this, I look at this roster and I look at the heart and I look at the work ethic and I look at the way that these guys are growing. I look at what happened over the past season where these, these role-playing guys, the, you know, the second string guys got real solid NBA minutes that helped them grow and improve their game. I look at the fact that Dame had surgery and, and came back and recovered from it. I look at, you know, Anthony Simons and his growth. I look at the Shaden Sharp and, and Jabari Walker and, and their potential and, and the way that they can fit in. I, I, you know, Gary, uh, Gary Payton Jr. And Jeremy Grant and, and the way that they can come in and, and fill in. And I'm looking at all these pieces and, and call me crazy, but I like it. And I am excited once again. Once again, I'm excited. And once again, I think, you know, the, this is going to be a fun year of basketball for the Trailblazers. I, you know what? Well, That's where I'm at. If, if you don't have hope, there's no reason to get up in the morning. So there you go. D- D- well, D- we all did it. D- we all did it all season. That's we right. all did it all last season. There was no hope. We knew we were going out. We knew we were losing, and we still got up oh, and rooted for the team. Lottery picks and New Orleans picks and stuff like that. So, yep. Yeah, no, well, we all know see, how that... I'm trying to give you credit. D is the reason to, to get up in the morning in the summer and say, go Blazers. Right? Oh, man. I'm I'm just excited. I think it's going to be a great season. I, I think it's just... I, I think this is a team of people that will enjoy watching. I think that they're going to be fun and entertaining. You know, again, the behind the scenes, the, the things, the stories that are coming out of it yeah. already. I, I, I'm getting excited. So what else we got? Couple. Uh, well, Nurk. Nurkic is going to be playing for Bosnia for Eurobasket. Um, you know, I, I've talked about how there there's so much basketball outside of just the NBA. I'm always talking about the WNBA. I'm always talking about G League because obviously I'm close to those because of my job. But there's a lot of basketball overseas. There's a lot of basketball outside of just this bubble of the NBA. And I love when we have NBA guys that go and represent their country in different competitions and in and different basketball games. And um, so that's pretty cool. I think it's cool that Nurk, you know, we all know how much he loves his country and and how close that is to his heart. And I think it's really cool that he that he gets to go and represent Bosnia for that. Yep. Um, love him, you know, being able to do that, support him 100 percent. Don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I, I, I mean, thought- and, and, and and you know, just be be healthy this season, and we'll be great. <laughs> I think about that constantly in the off season when you see these guys. Did you see the thing about LeBron James playing in the Drew League? Uh Uh-uh. Okay. So really, I was just about to say, if you've been on the internet, you have to have seen this. So the Drew League is is a league in California. You know, it's, it's a pretty significantly small, it's talented, talented guys, but these aren't these. And and a lot of guys that are in the NBA uh, played in the Drew League at one point or another, but LeBron James and DeMar DeRozan went and played in the, in the Drew League on on Saturday, I think it was last Saturday, and first of all, it's played in a high school gym. I just want to say it's played in a high school gym, 
And there were 20, I, I heard today there were 25, 2,500 people there or 25. It had to have been 2,500. I don't think 25,000 could have fit in a high school gym, but Not it likely. was packed. If you look at the pictures, it was absolutely packed. And it's such a cool thought that, you know, some guy woke up, took off Saturday from work to go play basketball in a high school gym in the Drew League and ended up guarding LeBron James. I love that stuff. But anytime I see it, I think exactly that. Don't get hurt. You know, it's fun. It's great. It's cool. I love that you're doing it, but don't get hurt. And there's no way. I mean, let's put it this way. Even if he does get hurt, fair. He should be able to do that. Uh, and good on him. Uh, I just, yeah. that's the only thing I'm hoping for. We but just because hope. we should say also, I mean, this is going to be one of the big issues going into the year. What do the Blazers do for a center uh, if Nurkic is injured uh, because they've got uh, Drew Eubanks who we loved last year uh, but then now you're down to one center and you know what it, I know it's a, a league that's oriented toward perimeter players shooters shot creators I get it but I still don't think you can run a 6-7 guy out there who's not doesn't have any center inclinations and, and prosper I mean you still got to have some big men so, uh, yeah, let's hope Nurkic stays healthy. And it'd be interesting to see. It doesn't look like, I mean, the Blazers have 15 roster spots filled. So it doesn't look like they're going to address this yeah. beyond what they have uh, at the moment. So let's see how that works. Speaking of which, one of those roster spots that we kind of thought maybe we were going to get filled was uh, DeAndre Ayton. And he has signed with the Suns. Did you follow how that all happened? I'm sure you followed how that all happened because mm. that's your job. But it's really interesting how that all played out. You know, he uh, was a restricted free agent. Indiana made him an offer. It was a big offer. It was a max offer, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. And, it was the max that they could give, which is not right. the same as the max Phoenix could give quite. No, but it was a high number. I want to say $133 million. He So the way that that works is Phoenix has 48 hours to match that offer. And if they do, DeAndre Ayton stays in Phoenix and he cannot be a sign and trade. So he, if they sign him, he stays. He stays with the team. Almost. Uh, he can be traded, but he has to agree to the trade in the first year. He has to okay. agree to uh, in order to move. He has basically a veto right. Okay. So a team, and the reason they do that, and so here's the here's the system, basically. What Phoenix did is they said, you know, we're not going to offer you a max. We're not going to put a fifth year on there. We're not going to, you know, we what we want you to do is basically go out and get your bona fides. Go out and get somebody else to make you the best offer possible. Phoenix knew they were going to match it. I don't think there's any way they were going to let him walk. But they wanted someone else to kind of reassure them that Aiton, or what Aiton was worth. And also, by the way, tell Aiton what Aiton was worth. I mean, I think they, they knew that a max offer was possible. I think they knew as soon as Indiana cleared space that it was coming. But there was a non-zero possibility that nobody out there had that space and uh, Aiton would have gotten a lesser offer or would have gotten no offer, which meant that they would have been in the good negotiating position. That didn't happen, but they still didn't mind paying him the max and they shaved a year off of it. Now, here's the thing, though, about restricted free agency. Technically, that restricted free agent has the ability to go out and sign with any team who can afford him. The team that had him to begin with can say, uh-uh, we've got the rights to you, we're keeping you. But the CBA provides for not taking away that player's right to choose entirely. In other words, the 
team that keeps him can't just say, nah, psych, we didn't really want you. We just got you to trade to this other team, right? Instead, in year one of that deal, the guy who re-signed has to agree to any trade so that the team that said they wanted him has to keep him for a year. Okay. So DeAndre, basically the summary at this point is that DeAndre Ayton is staying in Phoenix. Um, yeah. Unless they can now. engineer an, another trade right. that he agrees right. to. But that's a big, that's a big move and a business move on his end. He, you know, that was, uh, he, he ended up with a, a chunk of money and, you know, staying in Phoenix. So, well, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, he could also eventually get traded to Indiana again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Phoenix could say, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you can have him. We just want right. Miles Turner or something like that. You know what I mean? And yeah, so Indiana doesn't get, and I think Indiana might've known that they weren't going to, you know, I think they were obviously willing to take the risk. They traded away Malcolm Brogdon to cre- create the space. Uh, my, my assessment of Indiana is they don't think they're going anywhere real without Aiton. Uh, and they view Aiton as part of a rebuild. If they can't get him, they're going to rebuild in another way. So they're, they're, they were willing to take that risk. They may still be willing to trade for him somewhere down the line. It'll be interesting to see, but that kind of stuff always fascinates me about this and how this works, the, the business side of this and, and the way that the contracts work and the way that, you know, players and, and teams kind of work these things out. I just think it's really fascinating. And to see that happen was, was kind of interesting. Look at it this way. I, unless things radically change, I don't see Phoenix keeping Aiton. But that doesn't mean they were going to let him go for nothing. The last thing that I have, I actually, is big Trailblazers news. Not such great news, <laughs> in my opinion, and I think most people's opinions. You know, we we made it through Dame signing his extension and staying. No big crazy trades in in the off season thus far, and then. Our very own Amara Baptist announced that she will be leaving the team. Uh, if you don't know who Amara Baptist is, you probably haven't listened to this podcast. You probably haven't followed the Trailblazers social media. Or you uh, just don't Am- know she does it. Right. That's true. But Amara Baptist is the social media manager for the Portland Trailblazers. She has been for the last four years. She is absolutely amazing at what she does. Uh, In my opinion, the best that there is in the NBA. The Portland Trailblazers social media has been superior. She's very good at what she does. And if you know Amara, you love her. She is a very kind, wonderful human being. And I think that uh, it, it's a big loss for the team. I'm sure she's going to be going on to bigger and better things. Um, you know, we we wish her the best in that. But it, it's kind of sad to see, you know, someone go, and especially someone like Amara. Yeah, it's hard. It's um, it's a transient business. You get used to that. When teams, I don't. Here's what I don't understand, and I don't think this applies just to Amara. It's it's to everybody. When teams invest a million bucks in the 15th player on the bench. I get it. That's one of 450 players in the world who's doing that. But there are only, you know, let's say your team has three social media people. There are only 90 of those. I I wonder when, and also this is your, like I hate, you know, I use wrestling sometimes, but you know what? Wrestling is is pretend, right? Uh, It's, kind of you know it's it's staged okay 
And one of the things that they found out very quickly is in order to make that real for people, some of the most important people are the ones who are explaining it. Okay, the Mm -hmm. commentators, because they're the ones that actually weave the story and connect it to you uh, from what the performers are doing in that ring to what's coming through your TV set. The same is true. I mean, I think people have known this about TV broadcasters for a long time. But you know what? A lot of people now turn the TV down and interact on social media. They just kind of watch and tweet. Yeah. Social media people are becoming more and more important paying a million bucks for someone on you know the 15th spot in your bench and not you should be paying mid six figures for some of these really good social media people because they're the ones who tell the story taking it back to Amara she's clearly one of the best she's been one of the best since before she came here and it's just sad that this side of our business is so transient that you could have a Damian Lillard person in that position and you'd never know it and you can't guarantee that they'd stay and have that loyalty that Lillard has because nobody gets that's not even considered in that position I'm not saying Amara doesn't have loyalty I think she does but I'm saying that you even if a person did they'd never have the chance to exercise it because it's just not practical to stay in positions like that and again I don't want to speak for Amara. I don't know why she's leaving. It's fine. It's good. But I'm saying anyone, everyone does. And that's hard. And I think that teams should invest more in those public connections because it's hard for the public to get attached to someone and their voice and whatever. And then, boom, they're gone. Yeah, and, and Amara has not publicly announced, you know, what she's doing or where she's going. So this may just be a simple fact that she had a, an offer that she couldn't turn down. It could be, I mean, it could be a number of things and we won't speculate on that. But my, yeah, yeah that, know, my argument, just to clarify, my argument is the Blazers should be making people offers they can't turn down, that they really right. can't turn down. I mean, what... I get it. You cut organizational costs to save the bottom line, but your entire organizational cost in social media probably doesn't equal one player off the bench. So, you know, well, and, and, and you, you, you kind of made a point that I've been thinking about since, since she announced this, Um, you know, Amara for a lot of us, especially those of us who are really active on social media and interact with the team and things like that. Amara's voice has become the voice of the team and and her voice is what has become this kind of inner dialogue that we hear of this team. She's the one that's deciding, you know, what is is important and what things need to be said and what words to say them in to some degree. I know she has a team behind her. It's not just her. But, you know, that voice is is important And I think she's done that so well. And she is a fantastic storyteller. I think we will notice when she's gone. uh, Those of us that have been very active with her, at least, I think we will notice. I hope the best for her. I hope, you know, and I also know that, that the team has done a really good job of putting 
people around her. I know, you know, she has a team that she has talked about being very good before. Um, She's got people around her who who I think will probably step in and do a good job. But I, I do think that, you know, a lot of the Internet has fallen in love with her over over the last four years i know that a lot of my fandom has has become greater because of her voice and the way that she has you know covered the team essentially so it's a big loss for the portland trailblazers uh to to see her go um i'm excited for whatever she has in store and i i wish her the best um and and good luck to those who have to fill her giant shoes (laughs) yes And you're not going to lose us, though. We will be back for episode 89 next week. And we hope in the meantime, there'll be some news. It'll be interesting. Uh, Read us at Blazer's Edge. uh, Follow Dia uh, on Twitter. And uh, we will see you again next week. A hater sees an opening down the lane. Moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away. Saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here now to you. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>